You are listening to episode number 95 of Exit the Drinking Life podcast. I am thrilled to bring this episode to you this week. I know I say I'm thrilled every week, right? Because actually I am. And this week's episode is going to be an interview of myself and one of my fellow This Naked Mind coaches, Terry. And the reason I am bringing in this particular episode after the four-part series I did around tiny habits and really teaching and from my knowledge and understanding and having worked with through it with my clients. And the reason I wanted to bring this one in for you in as the like uh, bookend, so to speak, of all of those episodes is because it is actually it's me being on Terry's podcast, The Sober Edge, and she is asking me all kinds of questions about the tiny habits process and its key and its role and how it's been playing out in my own life as well as my client's life. And I really just felt like this would be an ideal episode to kind of bookend the series. And also for those of you who may not have heard the series, this will give you an overview of how understanding tiny habits can actually help you and understanding BJ Fogg's human behavior design model can actually support you in making this change that you want to make between yourself and alcohol and ease up on the thinking that there's something's gone wrong, right? So this is why I really wanted to bring in this episode at the end of this and kind of bookend all the all four of those other episodes. So I invite you to listen in and enjoy the episode. I am looking forward to hearing and noticing and seeing your reviews. So for those of you who are finding the podcast beneficial to you, please do follow us, follow the podcast, wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts. Also, rate the podcast and leave a little review. Like, what is one thing you took away from the particular episode that you happen to be reviewing? This will help support others just like yourself that are finding themselves in this drink, over drink, shame and regret cycle and seeking a way out. All right, I look forward to hearing what it is that you all think about this particular episode. Welcome to Exit the Drinking Life Podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm your host, Debbie Tauber, creator of the Exit Methodology, advocate for living your best and most intentional life, and alcohol freedom coach. This podcast is for you if you have big dreams and aspirations, but you begin to notice that just maybe your current drinking patterns are getting in the way. Inside the podcast, we'll dive into a modern day approach that can help you move away from shame and blame when it comes to what you're drinking and finally take the driver's seat of your life again. It's time to exit the drinking life. Hey everyone, it's Terry back with another edition of the Sober Edge podcast, and I am excited and delighted to introduce you to one of our guests for my coaches series, and this is Debbie Talbert. Welcome to the podcast, Debbie. Hey, Terry, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, Debbie is a rock star in this place of podcasting and connecting with people around all the things that have to do with 
changing our brain when it comes to how we get caught up in this alcohol-free journey. And Debbie was instrumental in encouraging me to start a podcast. So I absolutely love her for that and for many other reasons. We also have a connection because my dad was an airline pilot for 36 years and Debbie's former career was as a flight attendant. And so I think that's also really fun that we have that connection. So Debbie, I know that you have been a This Naked Mind coach since the beginning, just like me. We actually met in training and you've gone on to do some extra certifications to enhance what you bring into the coaching world. And one of them that I think is so relevant and fascinating is this idea of habits. So could you share a little bit about what brought you to wanting to dig a little bit more into habits and how you use that in your coaching? Oh, sure, Terry. Thanks. I really appreciate that. But first, I want to say that I totally love the name of your podcast, The Sober Edge, because what I feel like the true edge of like letting alcohol go and doing the sober living is actually trusting yourself to experience all of your emotions. And so I really believe that if we can let go of making an emotion right, wrong, good, bad, or positive, negative, then we can actually really have that true edge in life. And so I think that that, and so by putting in sober edge, I thought that was beautiful. And that's a big part of why I wanted to encourage you to do the podcast and Uh bring it out into the world. So I totally love that. And with the habits itself is first, we aren't actually taught the connection between our feelings, our thinking and our behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the more that we can ignite our curiosity around letting go of believing of like really believing that things feelings and behaviors are right or wrong or good or bad or positive or negative, the more that we can start to trust ourselves to figure our own things out and bring in our own inner wisdom. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I wanted to study habits and particular habits from BJ Fogg, who created the tiny habits, is because he is a human behavior design specialist. Wow. So he started the human behavior. What does he call it? I think it's called Behavior Design Lab at Stanford University, right? So he has studied human behavior and he's really implemented this. And so he's done a lot of study and science and really figuring out what's true about humans and why we do certain things. And it's really habit that we can get into this habit of the alcohol, but then also this habit of how we talk to ourselves this habit of how we think, this habit of how we feel, and this habit of how we behave. That's, yeah, we actually, in this Naked Mind methodology, was the first time that I was introduced to this idea of thoughts, emotions, behavior. And one of the most powerful things, I think, around this journey toward letting go of alcohol that is a little bit different with this Naked Mind is the idea that we don't start with the behavior. And tell me, Debbie, does that have to do with habits? Is that part of this? Yeah, it is. Because if you actually, so BJ Fogg's in the behavior design lab, he has this behavior model, right? And so behavior happens when three things come together at the same moment. So it's not each one at a time, but it's when they come together at the same moment. And so it's motivation, it's ability, and it's prompt. And so motivation can range anywhere from high to low, 
-hmm. And then ability can range anywhere from easy to do to hard to do. And then the prompts, those are literally the invisible drivers of our life. And so if you try to start at the space of the action of stopping mm -hmm. without understanding your motivation and really the ability piece, like what's making it hard to stop, but then also what's making it easy to do. Okay. Right? And then also those prompts that you have in there. So your motivation is going to come from what you're thinking. The ability, it comes from a lot of factors like how convenient it is and all kinds of stuff. And that he talks about in his book, an ability chain. And so there's all these things tied to it, like time, money, the emotions, all that kind of stuff. It's all tied into it. And then prompts are those invisible things. And so by utilizing how we learned in the, on this naked mind, really paying attention to what are we thinking? What are we believing about the alcohol? All of that kind of stuff. You start to understand your motivation. You start to understand the ability part. And you also start to understand your prompts. Okay. That's and why, so that's it, why it works is because you're literally using the program from how we as humans, what happened in order for us to do a behavior, all three of these things need to converge. That is definitely a new concept for sure. So let me ask you this. What do people get wrong about habits? The first thing is they get wrong is that a habit is formed from doing it consistently for a certain number of days. So a habit isn't actually, that's not really how habits formed. And that's not what causes the brain to actually want to do it. And so it's not at all because of the number of days we do or don't do something in a row. And that's really like a recycled old idea. Okay. And the, so the research has shown that habits can be formed very quickly and oftentimes in just a few days when there's a strong desired emotional response to the behavior. Okay, so if you take that desired emotional response to the behavior, and then we want to bring it in around that conversation of drinking and a habit, and I just want to go ahead and quote directly from the book. So this is right from the book that BJ says, when I teach people about human behavior, I boil it down to three words to make the point crystal clear. Emotions create habits. Oh, and he also states that when you are designing for habit formation for yourself or some, for someone else, you're actually designing for emotion. So then let's take into consideration in the context of alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And this is for better or for worse. Alcohol is like a double whammy, right? Because you get that numbing effect when the alcohol hits the brain, you get that numbing effect and you also get that dopamine hit for the pleasure chemicals in the brain, that unnaturally high dopamine hit. And so I would say that's the perfect storm for a desired emotional response. Okay. Okay. So this is starting to come together. So how do you use this? You've just pointed out how we almost use it for bad. Like that's not the risk. We don't want to have that response in our behavior. So how do we flip the script and use it for good? Okay. So he literally has in his book a whole entire chapter on how to untangle unwanted habits. Okay. And he calls it the behavior change master plan in the book. And so the process, and even if you think of what we learned how to do inside this naked mind, and then when I talk about stuff on my, on the work that I do, and I talk all about exit and tying in like my whole a flight attendant life, finding your closest exit. And then I 
comes up with the terminology of the where you're exploring, examining, experimenting, you're acting out, you're igniting curiosity and trust, right? And so those all come into play with this behavior change master plan. Mm -hmm. And the first phase of the behavior change master plan is to create new habits, not stop the habit. And so as we teach people using this naked nine methodology, right? Mm -hmm. What we're working on doing with them is bringing in this new habit of awareness. Okay. Right. And so what we're doing is whether it's in our private coaching or we go through with what we do with this naked mind and how we work with our clients is what we're actually really doing is we're helping them form habits to bring in awareness. And what do we bring in awareness around? Motivation, ability, and prompt. Mm. The three things that need to happen at the same time to cause us to do a behavior. That's incredible. I love that. And I think that it makes so much sense that it's not just about repeating the same thing over and over again, because I think one of the places where people get trapped around alcohol is, you know, they just beat themselves up and they're like, well, I'll just have more days and that'll make the difference. And they think it's all just behavior and effort. I was working with a client last night about this, about the efforting, just trying harder. We get into these cycles where we beat ourselves up and, you know, I'm just not trying hard enough. There's something wrong with me. And what you're saying is actually we can make it easy. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. You can make it easy first by starting in with the first step is new habits. And we really do that as a coach. So just like in sports players, they have a coach to help them become the best at their sport. So if we think of ourselves as individuals, our sport is life. And really the sports players, if you think about them, they have a lot of habits designed and they practice and at practice, they practice full out. They don't just practice halfway either. And so they talk about their life and they'll have their aspirations or their desired outcomes, right? And so as you work with someone, first creating this habit of figuring out what are their desired outcomes and helping them through processes and habits of figuring that out. Because a lot of times, once we get out of school, we're like, who cares? And unless we have a business, we don't really figure that out. We're just like, okay, my desire is to survive life. That's kind of vague. (laughs) And not very much fun either. (laughs) I don't want to survive, Debbie. I want to thrive. (laughs) Right. But I'm just saying, like, we can get ourselves into that space, right? Yes. And Because we have spent so much time going about the approach in the wrong direction, right? Fighting against what actual human design is and how we as humans actually do things. Then we can get into that, again, the habit and that belief that we have to beat ourselves up. So that's old information, right? That you got to beat yourself up in order to make yourself change. And it might not necessarily be a desired high emotion, but there is emotion in it. And then also on the other side, what you're working with people with too is what is the hidden thing that alcohol is helping me hide from in my life that I actually don't want to face? So in a way, it is a desired emotional response. Yeah. Even though you're not aware of what it is, right? Yes. And I think that's what keeps people feeling stuck. And also going about it by starting with trying to stop first. Because then, because the three phases, so the master change plan, there are three phases. So you create new habits, 
then as you're working through those, and these can be a variety of habits. And then I'll tell you how to make a tiny habit recipe. Okay. But yeah, so these can be a variety of habits, but we know that transformation doesn't happen unless you have awareness, Mm -hmm. right? So the first of them need to be around awareness. And so by, you know, having the awareness of what is my prompt, what is making it so easy for me to do? What is my actual motivation? And so what all these tools around bringing that awareness in. And as you loosen up those and you start to realize that some of these things simply aren't true, Mm -hmm. that can start to help you to shift the behavior. And that can start to help you to shift what's going on for you. Then the second part of the behavior change master plan is to stop the habit. So then you focus on working on stopping for an extended period of time. As we teach people, right? They need to collect the data to understand what was going on to find out. So they have more information, right? Around their motivation, their ability and prompt Mm -hmm. so that they can still loosen up this habit and untangle it. And then the other part is to swap a habit. So those would be the phases. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need them all for your habit to change either. But it's like a phase process. So you go through and do this part first. And if this isn't actually totally working out, then you stop the habit. So the stopping of a habit could be, okay, I'm going to stop buying the liquor. So these also aren't like do this first, do this, then do this. You weave them all in. But you still, the first piece is really that awareness piece. And really working on first before you start any of the other actions is this, what is my motivation? What's making it so easy? And what are these little prompts, these cues, like what's leading to the urge? Or is it five o'clock? Is it, oh, my boss yelled at me? Is it like, like those are all prompts that, and then also even some of your own habitual prompts. Right. And yeah. I'm curious because sometimes people, we get caught up in this conversation about drinking is just a habit. I've just fallen into this bad habit of drinking. It sounds like, yes, that's true, but there's a lot more behind it. Right. And so where it can feel that you've fallen into the bad habit. So another thing that I've learned through doing BJ Fogg's work is that decisions and habits are actually the opposite. So a decision requires deliberation. Mm-hmm. And a habit do not. So habits are automatic. So once you've done it enough in the brain, then the brain waste designed, it wants to be efficient. So then it's like, oh, okay, this is just our repeated behavior. When, and it could be coming from, say, when Terry's feeling this emotional sensation in her body, Terry has taught us. So this is the brain talking, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Terry has taught us that alcohol is the solution for that because she does not like that emotion. So she's already taught us that alcohol is the answer. So the brain's like, of course we want alcohol. That's what we had before. That's the answer. So that can help be how it seems like it's have that habit. And the non, like the thinking comes out. Mm-hmm. Like the thinking piece isn't actually there where we feel like it just happened on automatic. Right. Because right. people will describe like, oh, I don't have a thought about it. I just found myself with a drink in my hand. And it's like, well... Yes and no. (laughs) You did, but you didn't. But then this is where this decision comes in, right? Mm -hmm. So then that's also where creating a new habit is before I have the drink, I'm going to pause and find out what do I want from this? That is also putting in a pause between the thought and the response, right? But that has to become deliberate. And so that has to become practice. And that needs to become something that you work towards figuring out doing. And so is the goal to take that new 
habit, like the pause before you would reach for the drink, is it to take that and then make it from deliberate where you have to decide to make that also a habit? I mean, that's your goal, right? So that becomes the habitual response. Yes. It could be. Yes. That's how you can literally design it in. Right. And so part of the tiny habit also is literally designing and creating tiny habit recipes. That's what BJ Fogg talks about in his book is tiny habit recipes. I personally call them exit habits just because it Mm -hmm. matches, but they're designed behind his philosophy. And so his teaching of the tiny habit is first, tiny literally means tiny. So it would mean, so as you're coming up and realizing, okay, ability part. So what is making this so hard for me to do? Right. And so you're going to be designing minute, tiny habits around all of these pieces, around motivation, around ability and around prompt. Mm -hmm. And so as you're doing that, then you're making these small recipes. And it's so after such and such happens, I will do such and such. And then the next piece is celebrate because remember that high emotion thing and that emotion is what creates it. So that little celebration piece, and that could be whatever is a celebration for you, like in your head, like saying to yourself, high five, yay me, yes to me, or you snap your fingers or you smile. There's hundreds of ways for you as a person, you could design your own and create the celebration piece that works best for you. So by doing that, then that's going to help you start to remember to do that tiny habit. But at first, yes, it is going to have to be a decision and it's going to have to be deliberate until it becomes that automatic thing that you do. Are the ripple effects of your current relationship with alcohol taking more from your life than you'd like? What's your plan for getting the support you need to stop the negative impact? And more importantly, is the plan based around a modern day approach to behavior changes? My programs are based upon current research instead of concepts created in 1935. As your intentional living and alcohol freedom coach, I offer you modern day tools to help you transform your relationship with alcohol without labels, judgment, or making a forever decision. In my programs, you decide where, when, and how much alcohol fits into the life you want to live. Private coaching allows you the space and freedom to be your unique self while taking ownership of your choices. Ready to start the conversation around private coaching? Head over to jumpseekcoaching.com forward slash breakthrough. That's jumpseekcoaching.com forward slash breakthrough, all as one word, breakthrough as one word, no spaces. Okay, so let's say when you're first working with somebody and the first piece is awareness, but literally it's whether whatever you're designing. So let's say you have a book you want your client to read or you have a behavior you want them to start. You first are going to want to figure out where would be the ideal spot in their life to do it. So that would be the prompt piece. So the after for the habit. So the key behind the tiny habit is after such something happens mm-hmm. or while I, or when mm-hmm. I, so you're remembering after while or when okay, in there, and then you're going to decide what it is you're actually going to do. And the tiny part is it can be the starter step. 
And then the piece is the celebration. And let's say you want the person to journal because they mm -hmm. need the journaling piece is going to help you find a lot of your thoughts and a lot of the stuff behind motivation. Well, first to get into the habit of journaling, what's the first thing you need to do? You have to open your journal. Okay. Right. Or you have to put it maybe the night before wherever you're going to put it, right? To be next to what? So literally these are the tiny habits. Okay. It's literally like, I'm going to put my journal here. And what do you get to do? You get to celebrate that I put my journal there. And so by you're creating these habits so small and so minute, but that you're putting it there. And then by giving yourself that little celebration part, you're giving yourself too that little natural dopamine hit. You're starting to feel your own pleasures and you're starting to trust yourself again to mm -hmm. figure things out, especially around this topic of alcohol. Mm -hmm. So you're having your tiny wins and your tiny successes around this topic. So that starts to change your belief about yourself and your ability to change. Yes. And that, oh my gosh, that's so good because that's one of the things that I talk to clients about is when we have eroded this trust with ourselves. Mm -hmm. We yeah. say we're not going to drink and then we drink. So our yes doesn't mean yes. Our no doesn't mean no. And we can get all caught up and worked up about, gosh, I can't trust my intuition. I'm not trustworthy. And that can lead to just more negative emotion around making this change instead of the excitement and the positive and the desired outcome. And so I absolutely love what you're saying is these tiny habits can help us learn to trust ourselves again. They can help us build up that confidence in our ability. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happened. And so the goal is never to make that habit bigger than opening the journal. Mm -hmm. That can always be it. But what happens is then you're so motivated, then your motivation increases because you've already had the prompt of opening the journal and the ability is already increased because it's already open mm -hmm. that it's easy to do. Yeah. But Let's say it's just one of those days. That's it. That's all you can get yourself to do for whatever reason, because life got lifey, right? <laughs> you can only open it. You still get to celebrate. You still get to prove yourself. You can follow through on things. And that's the piece that literally builds up people's trust back in themselves. <laughs> and so if you're not getting yourself to do the habit, you maybe started too soon in the steps, right? Of the habit itself. Like journaling is. Okay, opening the journal, picking up the pen, writing, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the yes. steps of it. Yes. Right? And then on top of that, having the courage to even let your own thoughts out of your head and put them on paper. And so there's a lot involved to journaling. But when you say to somebody, okay, journal, and they're like, <laughs> I don't know how. So, you, of course, they're not going to be motivated to do it. And the yeah, ability because... is, is going to be very hard. Yeah. And so then you might get the prompt piece in there but you won't have the ability piece and you won't have the motivation piece. So by literally let opening up to letting the celebration start to become, and then the other piece of it is designing it in a spot in their life that would make sense that if they were so made of motivated, they would have the energy, the space and the time to write. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't want to pick, okay, we're going to open up the journal five minutes before we have to run out the door to go to work. Right. <laughs> that isn't the spot that you would want to design that into. But if you think of all these as this is me just experimenting, where am I going to put these habits? Then you can 
walk away from or that automatic thing of like, oh, my God, something massively has gone wrong. I can't figure this out. No, we're just experimenting. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to put this habit? And in the book, he calls them tiny habit recipes. Oh, and this is just a recipe. Maybe the recipe design needs to be tweaked a little bit. That's it. Not something massive has gone wrong with you, the person. Wow. Yeah, I love the idea of recipe and the idea of tiny because that I think also just takes that ability level and lowers it so that we don't feel like it's impossible. And I think that's so key. So I'm curious, can we do a little habit right here together? I have a thought. <laughs> I didn't plan okay, this. Go ahead. So one of the things that I like to have clients do is to drink more water. So what I always talk to them about is it's hard to know how much water you're drinking. People often overestimate it or they forget to track it and they're not sure if they drank as much as they wanted to that day. And so I have them use, I call it a tool, but I guess maybe it could be a tiny habit is they track their water by having just these rubber bands. And as they drink the cup of water, then they take the rubber band off and that prompts them to fill the water up again. Okay. So is that too far into the step? Should they just start with putting the rubber bands on? Would that be the first tiny habit? Is the habit to put on rubber bands or to drink water? Drink water. Okay, so I'm glad you brought this up because that's how, because you know that of mine too, right? Mm-hmm. My thing of water. But for me, and it's going to be individual driven. So I did a lot of experimenting with how was I going to get in the water? Mm-hmm. So first I did start with kind of a concept like what you're talking about. I was trying to go for a gallon. So I'm like, okay, I won't know unless I put it in the gallon. So for me, it became, okay, so I already had habits formed by doing this. So I have a Nespresso coffee machine. So after I push my Nespresso button Mm -hmm. to make the coffee work, I created the tiny habit of doing five push-ups on my counter. And then I do my little celebration like this. Mm -hmm. And then it's still making coffee, right? So then my next tiny habit is I started when I started doing the gallon thing, I would fill up the gallon of water, right? And then I had it very visible so I could always see. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this, but I wasn't drinking it. It wasn't working. So this was me tweaking the recipe. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, all right, clearly putting it in there because I'm never getting to the gallon. Like I drank the water, but it was not empty. Okay. So then I'm like, all right, what else can I do? So I thought, all right, so the starter step is I got to have it in the glass, not the gallon thing, because I wasn't literally drinking out of the gallon either. Okay. I was pouring it into a glass. So then I decided, so my next step became, I still did the coffee and all that. Then I started instead filling this up and then I keep it by my desk and I just sip it because it's visible. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to do the prompt and the motivation. And then my now habit is when I notice this is empty, I go fill it back up. Now, it might not, that so far is working. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding myself drink more water, right? But, but do then, you know if you're drinking a gallon? No, I have because, no idea if yeah. I do or I don't. Because yeah. my personal aspiration, it didn't matter to me anymore if I drank the gallon. Okay. It was to get myself to drink more water. Mm-hmm. And so my, for me, it was more like, does the gallon really matter? And so right now, based on what I'm doing and where I am, the gallon does not matter. So I move that piece out of it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I'll move it back in one day. 
right. but for right now, that's not in there. But so long if for your who you're working with, right, it is the drink a certain number of things, mm-hmm. then they could do the first part of putting the water in it. Yes. Celebrate they put the water in it. Then they can make another tiny habit to see this is all about how do I also get to feel good? Then the next time after I put the water in and I do my little celebration. Okay, next I'm going to put around my whatever mini rubber band. Then, oh, when I notice the thing is empty, I get to take off a rubber band. That could be the celebration, right? Yes. And after I take off a rubber band, then I will fill it up with water. Yes. So see that. So then you're literally getting in three or four recipes. Mm -hmm. And each time they just do the one recipe, they're also getting to celebrate. The person's getting to see, oh, I can trust myself to follow through on a habit. And there's actually several, right? In that one thing, there would be at least three things they're following through on. Yes. Yes. So that, and then if you figure out where in their life is the best way to design the step of putting the water in it in the first place. Yes. And just like you, I often have them say, I say, if you are a coffee drinker, then while you're brewing your coffee, that's when you fill up your first glass and put your rubber bands on so that you know that then now I've started the habit for the day. That's so good. Thank you for that. (laughs) So you can, but it's literally, so get people to add in that piece Mm -hmm. of the instant celebration. Yes. And then the other key that's in the book is rehearsing. Okay. So you know how actors, actress, whatever they call themselves now, I guess they don't do the stress on there. Like when I was growing up, it was actors and actresses. Now it's just actors, right? Anyway, the people that do the movies, how about that? <laughs> so anyway, they rehearse things. And just like we talked about, the ball players are doing practice mm-hmm. and they do it well, right? So what? To literally start when you're first doing one, to help your brain remember, you're going to want to rehearse the whole behavior seven times before you decide then I'm going to start the habit the next time I do the glass or the next time I do the thing. Because that rehearsal piece will also help reiterate this action to the brain of remembering okay. it. So if you're finding you're having trouble remembering it, could be that the rehearsal piece wasn't actually done. And so why seven times? I don't really know that. And okay. maybe that's just a number he randomly picked or what. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Five to seven times. But it's, okay. there's like a rehearsal thing in there. And each time though, when you're doing the rehearsal, you are still doing that little instant celebration. So okay. that's giving that desired emotional piece. And that's giving a little hint, waking the brain up to this is this new thing that we're going to want to remember to do. You know what I just realized that I love so much about this is the idea that we are changing the bad habit, but that's not what we're focused on. We're focused on creating the new habit as opposed to just stopping. And it's so much more of a positive direction as opposed to like, well, I have to stop smoking or I have to stop biting my nails. It could be something that we can focus on and feel good about. And of course the celebration is key to that. And so I love how we can just look forward to creating habits as opposed to thinking about, it's all about breaking those bad habits. Is there part of this that is breaking a bad habit? Well, first, if you'll notice, I didn't use that word break, did I? No. (laughs) I said untangle. Ah, yes. And there is a whole chapter. That's the whole chapter. On And this is this behavior change master plan. Mm -hmm. But he really talks about in there, and this is when I shifted 
changing. I don't use the word break anymore. I use the word untangle. And if you think of untangling, if you think of a necklace all tangled up together and there's mm-hmm. various pieces, it's got you like you can't just if they're all tangled up together, you can't just take the one you see and start yanking. It would might break the whole thing. Yes. And you really have to work at figuring out which one is the one to make these all disconnect. And so it's literally these new behaviors coming in and new habits. Is it going to help you design out or untangle? And he doesn't call it bad either. He calls it unwanted. Yes, yeah, so good. Yeah. And the reason you use those words too, though, is this the truth. Mm-hmm. You don't want it in your life anymore because you don't like what happens to you when you do it. So it isn't really whether it's good or bad that's mm-hmm. unwanted to you. Yes. And so the key to for your new behaviors you're designing in. Yes, as we're working with alcohol and we're coaches, we're totally aware that awareness is the first piece. But also tying the habits that you want to help people design in to what is their actual overall aspiration is going to increase the motivation of wanting to even learn how to do these tiny habits and what the tiny habits are for them. Meshing all that together and helping people remember that. And it also can be a new habit is paying attention to on a daily basis, your aspiration. What is that? What is your compelling reason? Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get that, I don't know, alcohol amnesia, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Where it calls back to us like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or why did I start this in the first place? It doesn't really matter with anything we're trying to do. When it gets hard, we forget why we wanted to do it in the first place. So a habit can be daily giving attention, energy and focus to that aspiration that we actually have our compelling reason. Yeah, I think that probably is the number one habit everyone should cultivate because staying connected to our purpose, passion, and our why is so key to not just surviving, but thriving. (laughs) Yes, it's it's thriving. And I call it, I've been actually moving into calling it epic living because really epic, if you look up the definition, it's around like a poetic story, right? Mm. And so you're wanting to create your own poetic story of your own life and how that is that you want. And that's what I mean. But it's not like this whole big, vivacious, elaborate living. It's more like this, your own poetic story of your life. And also thriving. It can be look like thriving, right? That's so good. So good. So do you have time for a couple of questions from listeners? I do. All right. So here is a question. How many new habits can a person successfully adopt at the same time? Okay, so when we're doing the first part of the training, we don't do more than three. And ideally, one tiny is tiny, and it can also be one. Okay. And then also with it, a lot of people have this misconception that it is also the key to make it bigger and bigger and bigger, which now you can put in more and more habits, and it could be that yours is to become like lose a certain amount of weight or like exercise to a certain point or run a marathon. Mm -hmm. But the tiny part, just like with my push-ups, my goal is not to end up with a hundred push-ups. It's literally to just, that's it. If I'm motivated to do more, I do more, but the tiny habit won't ever actually change. It will always be the five. Now I do go and press that Nespresso button a lot of times because I have decaf pod. I like it. So it's literally every time I push it. Oh, so there okay. are more than five push-ups that actually happen in my day. Mm-hmm. But the goal of the habit isn't to eventually get to 25 or 30 or whatever. 
in that moment, in that particular moment mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, and ideally it's best to simply do one at a time. Try three and see how it works for you. But okay. ideally is one. Okay. I, that's so good. Yes. Tiny means tiny. That's important. So <laughs> another question, what differentiates a person who can change more habits successfully than someone who can't? I think really the only thing that would differentiate is simply because you're just redesigning your recipe. It's mm-hmm. not that there's anything with you, the person. It really comes from, oh, I'm just experimenting. Is this the recipe that's working for me? And sometimes even with that aspiration we had, Mm-hmm. we no longer have it. So the motivation is actually literally gone. We don't even want it anymore, but we just forgot or we didn't even really relook at it. Yeah. And if, so sometimes in life, if we're really fighting so hard for something, is it that we actually want it? We need to slow down, readdress it. Is this actually what I want? Oh, that's a perfect answer because it gives us a chance to go back to that awareness and to our big why and our aspiration of how is this fitting into this epic story I am designing for my life. And if it no longer fits, that might be the very reason that the habit isn't working. So, oh, that's so good. And I believe from the way that you've described this, Debbie, it's so powerful because anybody can be successful at creating habits. It's not that one person because it's not about willpower and it's not about determination. It's about the recipe. So that's, that yeah. is really it's, cool. Yep. It's not about you, the person. It's about just designing the recipe that fits for you. Gosh, well, I've absolutely loved this conversation. It's been so cool to get to know a little bit more about how this works together and how powerful it can be in creating the things we want and then letting go of those unwanted behaviors. Yeah, I like how you changed your words already, Terry. I know, I was doing that intentionally, for sure. Well, Debbie, thank you so much. You and I could talk about like a half a dozen different topics. So we'll definitely have to have you back on because you're one of those people that is always growing and always learning new things. And I think so much of what you've learned has informed my journey as a coach and as a human. So thank you for sharing your gifts with our listeners today. Oh, thank you so much, Terry. It has been so much fun. And I totally, totally love it. Because if one person cannot feel like I used to feel about myself, I, I almost made my day. I don't really know how to describe it. But that's why I do what I do. It's because I for so long felt horrible about myself. Mm-hmm. And that self-loathing I had was very strong and very deep. And if I can in, help someone else in that sooner than it ended for me, then everything I've learned is why I do it. Mm. Well, I you're... know I'm stuttering, but it's because it matters and I don't really know how to describe it. You are a total <laughs> inspiration. I think that you are definitely making an impact, not only in the alcohol-free world, but just in the human race. So thank you again. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much for listening to Exit the Drinking Life podcast. I hope this episode has helped you move away from drinking shame and blame and instead into confidence and full belief that the life you desire is within your reach. You are not alone. I have been exactly where you are right now. If you have enjoyed this episode, please take a second to hit the follow button so you never miss a future episode. And 
leave a review to help me reach more listeners just like you looking to break away from the toxic cycle of drinking and discover a healthier approach that leads to a life full of abundance and happiness. If you want to take what you've learned here to the next level, head over to jumpseatcoaching.com for more resources and tools. See you back here on the next episode.